All right, man. So this is going to be a very interesting topic. I brought it up to you a couple of weeks ago um, when we did the last episode. And I was like, man, this is a, a good topic because A, it's kind of personal because I know some people who are involved with what we're talking about today. And also, I'm just paying attention just to someone that like that that invests and kind of sees what's going on with the market. I'm seeing a couple of companies who are pretty much, even though right now the market looks like trash, especially the stock market in a lot of places, even though something's being propped up, but the majority of these earnings calls, the majority of these companies are losing money and having layoffs. And it's not looking good, especially for their outlook in the quarters to come. But there are a couple who are shining during this time. And of course, anything that has to deal with lifestyle, they tend to be okay, no matter whether like, whether times are good or times are bad. I always said like a few things that'll never go bankrupt during good or bad times is food. Cause people have to eat. You eat when you feel good. You eat when you feel bad. Okay. You're going to drink when you feel good. And when you feel bad, you're going to have sex when you, whether you feel good or you feel bad. So porn's not going anywhere. People no matter how much you try to bring it up. And and fitness and something to direct around fitness because after you've consumed all the three things I just talked about, either you're going to try to look presentable and marketable to, you know, to have sex and to also work off that food or that drink, or you don't do any of those things and you gain weight and you put yourself in a bad situation where your health starts to deteriorate. And that's the reason why just the entire like health care quote, I put care in quotations here, you know, health sector is, pretty much always going to dry, thrive right now. So as of late, probably uh, we talked about this back in the summer, everybody, especially celebrities and everybody starts talking about this weight loss drug, talking about Ozempic, you know, which is also known as Wegovy. Um, and that was like the hottest thing, you know, all these, all these people on these fad diets are all, it's crazy how the people that were raving about this are people who really don't need it. Okay, so you have, like I said, all these celebrities, and then once the celebrities start talking about it, then common everyday people who spend their time watching these people, they start in, you know, inquiring about it. And so for a while there, the weight loss drug Ozempic was it was on top for these past few months. But now, uh just a few days ago, um you had uh FDA approval of another weight loss drug that's pretty much kicking Ozempic's ass. Um it's called Munjaro or or terzepatide and you know so i actually wanted to get your your take on these drugs because you're in that field and you're going to give it to you know i know you always research this stuff and i know you're going to deal with people who going to probably come across or have these things as options but at the same time like you know what do these drugs what role do they play when it comes to hormone optimization and so that's a take that most doctors can't answer they have no idea when it comes to hormone optimization, especially general practitioners, but they will be quick to pimp out these drugs to their everyday patients because why? Well, the whole type two diabetes and, and, you know, weight gain and, and all the deterioration of health that comes along with that, those numbers are not going down, especially post pandemic and especially in the type of economical environment that we're in now, you know, people are struggling when, when people struggle, they can't, they, they're not in a position really to choose the most, well, they feel like they're not in a position to choose the most optimal nutrition. They're just going to eat whatever they can afford. And guess what's not affordable for most people? Things that are going to benefit them nutritionally. 
all the stuff that was going to wreck them nutritionally is the things that they're going to reach out for because it's cheap and it's available and they can get it in mass. And so what ends up happening with that? Not only do they get that in mass, they end up gaining mass. Okay. And we're not talking about, we're not talking about muscle get mass either. So, and that's going to bring a whole set of problems economically to them because now their health is going to go down. Well, you need a quick solution for that, right? And that's where a lot of these weight loss drugs come in. Now, for some people, depending where they are, you know, health wise, it's, it can be beneficial, a beneficial start as they, it, under the right direction, can start making healthier choices. So, but that's rare and that's far and in between because, hey man, there's no money to be made in people getting cured for anything. No. So, you know, every, you every, every fat law, when I look at stuff like this, I, I, I go, this is, it's, it's nothing new in this respect. What I mean no. is, this stuff primarily works because it shuts off appetite. Yeah, yeah, it has some benefits for insulin sensitivity. So what? A lot of things have benefits for insulin sensitivity. If you just want insulin sensitivity, you can take berberin, you can take metformin, you can take arlipoic acid. There's plenty of ways to optimize. You, even apple cider vinegar before each meal, you can improve yeah. your insulin sensitivity without anything that's super expensive or more invasive. But the main reason why this works is the main reason why ephedrine works and the main reason why any fat loss drug works, whether it's Fenfen that was hot in the 90s or any products, is that it shuts off your appetite. That's good to some extent. Okay, some people have this voracious appetite. They're hungry all the time. You know, those of us that don't understand that, we often look at it as, oh, those people are just weak. You know, why can't it's like, I'm hungry. I just resist it. It's like, well, it's a different levels of hunger that people are experiencing. It would be like someone telling me, it's like, well, why do you have depression? You know, you, you have your life is way better than mine. I'm not, and I'm not depressed about anything. It's like, well, yeah, that's you and I'm me. You know, we're two different people here. So whatever you're feeling has nothing to do with me. So the appetite one, I don't say that dismissively. The fact that it shuts off appetite or reduces appetite significantly is why it works. Now, look at these numbers. Look at these numbers, man. I mean, okay, so again, the Morgiano, which also is basically just another name for a ZEP bound. That's what got approved for Eli Lilly. That's what it's really called. Dude, so in this one, so just here's the data that they just, it's like a two-phase, three clinical trials that was um, conducted with this before they had the um, the approval. In one of the studies, individuals who received 15 milligrams of the ZEP-bound um, drug lost an average of 48 pounds after 72 weeks. And also, yeah, trial participants who took a 5-milligram dose of the drug experienced an average weight loss of 34 pounds at 72 weeks. 72 weeks. So these results were better than, than Ozempic, big time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so now... That's why everybody's like, oh, man, give me some of that. Sign me up. You know, that's, so. Also, that's also a modest form of weight loss over the course of, what, a year and a half there? Yes, exactly. So I say, that, I say that in a good way because yeah. the slower the weight loss is, if if it's 70 pounds in three months, you're going to gain that back 100% of the time. Oh, it's coming, and it's coming back. And those pounds are coming pounds, back with friends. Yeah, yeah. Friends. <laughs> so. If it's 60, so if you lose 20% of your body weight, which is what some of the trials show with this Mongerno, yeah. And it's over the course of 72 weeks. So we're looking at 18 months here. And people lost 20% of their weight. Now, that's significant. Don't get me wrong. So if someone's 300 pounds, now they weigh 240. But that's not unhealthy at all. You know, losing, going from 300 to 240 in 18 months, that's not unhealthy. That's a good amount. That's a healthy amount of weight loss. I think a lot of people will see that and be disappointed, though. They're thinking, well, I want to lose that in three months. Now realizing that you're you're definitely going to gain it back. 
Now, the problem with this, even though it's a slower burn over the course of a long period, the problem is you're only going to have the benefits of these compounds, whether it's Ozempic or whether it's Morgerno, if you stay on it. Once well, and that's the thing. First all the all, negatives come back. Exactly. And can you afford to stay on it? Because Morgerno right. is about $2,000 for a four-week dose. So you take it once a week, you know, and you, you inject it once a week, and it's about a little over $2,000 a box of four. So, so you're looking at about a little over $2,000 a month for, you know, so can, how many years can you sustain this? You know, and yeah. And also you know, how, some, how healthy is it to sustain it? I mean, it's one exactly. thing to on something for two years, but to be on it for 10 years, 20 years. Especially something that just got approved. And here's the one thing that's also missing from this. You know, you have these doctors, the majority of them just, they're just prescribing this. But they're not adding any type of lifestyle suggestion. Not like they really know. All they're going to say is, you know, you also need to change your diet and you need to exercise. Not good enough. <clears throat> not personal yeah. enough. Yeah, it's so it's so general. It doesn't and, mean anything and, anyone. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's yeah. It's, you expect them to say that now. So if I, were, if I were a doctor prescribing this, I would have look. Here's a meal plan I recommend with sample meals, the whole breakdown. Here's the foods well, you should from most of the time. And actually, no, I, I wouldn't do that because if I was a doctor, I wouldn't do that because guess what? That's not my area of expertise. But what I would do is I would have a team of people ready to go to help these people. I was like, okay, here's my, no, here's uh, somebody that specializes in nutrition for people with an autoimmune disease. Here, reach right, out right. to them. You know, right. you know, I'm going I'm to go ahead and, and refer you to them. Here's someone who is, you know, who does yoga for beginners, you know, and for people who are, who have been a hundred pounds overweight, you know? So what ends up happening is you also open the doors for a lot of people in these, in these fields, let's just say yoga, let's just say kettlebells, let's say all this. Now they can niche down as well and have a more targeted audience and they can all, they can work with these, these physicians as well and make this a lot more personalized for the patient. The biggest problem that we have in this country besides the shitty food that we have, <laughs> you know, and, and all the other toxic chemicals that we're inhaling every day is the fact that we don't personalize health. We generalize everything. Everything is just a typical fat loss book that you find in a bookstore, you know? Well, I mean, like everything, everything you just said sounds really good, but how many doctors are actually going to do that? Basically, they don't even have time. I mean, they're not even going to think to put together a team to allocate things out or a network because oh, they don't care about you one person that much that they're going to. No, they don't. Time. They just won't. Now, if you're going to a place that doesn't take insurance and you're paying higher fees and all that, a lot and, of times that was my point. Yeah. A lot of times they have that in place. Yeah. I was just about to say, my point was they're not these regular general practitioners, whatever, they're not incentivized to even make it personalized because no, they're, they're, dealing, they're dealing with insurance companies and insurance companies. They don't want, they don't want that. They don't want that. Well, there's plenty they, of progressive doctors now who just don't fuck with insurance. They don't exactly. take it. Out. Whatever they, yeah. whatever you want, you have to pay upfront. None of this kill yeah. you and they get recompensated or they get compensated six months later. A lot of doctors who are very well, that, that trust their abilities and know that they're offering really good services. They're going, we don't even take insurance. If yeah. My former, my former doctor, you, you know, he specializes, specializes in naturalized medicine and things. And he, he didn't take any insurance. I mean, we found a way to finagle that, like for him to take, you know, for the insurance to pay for some of my tests, the more expensive ones. So he figured out a way to make that happen. But other than that, he doesn't take insurance for anything else because he's yeah. very, yeah. And especially for, the things that he sees and and wants to <clears throat> help you treat, these places are not interested in. So when he sees that 
oh man, your you know your hormone count is off. You're 30 years old, and you need to get your hormones up, and we need to start putting these protocols in place to help boost your hormones. Well, that insurance company's like, why are you prescribing this? Why are you, he's 30 years old. Why are you even looking at his hormones? Why are you even taking a test for hormones? He's 30. That's something you do for people who are like 60, 65. Like, well, motherfucker, if he doesn't get his hormones it, it, right, he won't make it to 60 or 65. Right. Or his hormones are so shitty right now, he feels like he's 60 or 65 at 30, you know? so now, These days, it doesn't matter what your age is in terms of hormone imbalance. That's to some extent that's almost irrelevant. And there's people in their 60s who have great hormone levels, and then there's and people the in 20s. their 20s who have miserable <laughs> hormone levels. Now, there's always reasons for it, and that's the job yeah. of some a professional is to find the reasons. Because once you find the reasons, then the solutions are more personalized to you. The problem is, is that a 25 year old walking into a TR clinic and a 60 year old walking into a TR clinic, they both, the they, both, they both may have low testosterone levels, but for completely different reasons. But those yeah. reasons are irrelevant to them. They're not going to even determine why your levels are low. They're just going to say yeah. your levels are low. And here's a protocol that we offer to get it into the optimal range, yeah. whether it's the right approach or not. Exactly. Now, let's, let's talk about how these drugs actually work, and then we can continue this discussion. About the whole industry and everything else, just so people have a clear idea of how it works. Now, let's talk about Ozempic. I, I have to laugh when I read some of the descriptions because, you know, to the average person, this is just a foreign language, but it's but it's unnecessarily confusing too. So, Ozempic is a glucagon-like peptide. I was like, okay, so it's not glucagon; it's like it though. <laughs> they, they didn't come up with another name. They just say, hey, you know what? This stuff reminds us of glucagon, yeah, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> is a glucagon-like peptide. It's not glucagon. I'll talk about glucagon. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. You know like Brad it. Pitt. You know Brad Pitt, but you're Brad Pitt-ish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always look at this as weakness on the scientist part. They're like, let's just call it glucagon. Let's say glucagon-like peptide one. <laughs> and there's actually a glucagon-like peptide that's not one. That, that's that's different from this. So there's glucagon-like peptide, and then there's glucagon-like peptide one. Right. That's like, what, what does the one even mean? Yeah, yeah. They didn't say one and two. They just said, okay, here's one without one, and then here's one with one. And this is a receptor agonist. A receptor agonist means that it just it it accentuates that that receptor. It makes the receptor work better. Now, if it were a receptor antagonist, that means it actually blocks it from actions. Like some things are are an estrogen receptor antagonist, and that means it blocks estrogen from getting picked up by that receptor so that you have lower estrogen levels. All right, so back to Ozempic. Then the drug's main ingredient in semi-glutide mimics this GLP. Now they're saying it mimics it. I was like, I thought it was. <laughs> you know, it's like hey. it does, now, now, now it doesn't even it doesn't even have any. It just mimics the. It's like glucagon. It acts. It acts like it. Hold on. It acts like it, and when it does, it reminds us of it. Yeah, it means so. It's doing. It's a good actor. It's doing a good job. Okay, that's what it means. <laughs> and so that, let's talk about glucagon for a second. So there's insulin and glucagon. When you eat a meal, insulin goes up. It drives all the nutrients that you're taking into your muscle, cells, liver, and then any excess goes into stored body fat. Suffice to say, a lot of people, muscle, cells, liver are not that nourished, and a lot of it's going to excess body fat based on the food choice they make. Because insulin's, insulin is an essential hormone. If you don't produce insulin, you die. That's why type 1 diabetics have to take insulin. It's not one of those hormones you can just live without. If you have low testosterone, it's not life-threatening. You're going to feel like shit, but it's not life-threatening. You're not going to die in six months. 
Now, you don't have insulin and you need it. That's life-threatening. So what this does is, so, so what glucagon does is the opposite of insulin. Three hours after a meal, glucagon kicks in and it starts pulling energy from the muscles, liver, and then stored body fat. Initially, just from the muscles and liver. So if you only have, let's say, two hours in between each meal, you're getting energy from the muscles and liver, but you're not going to store body fat. That's why I like longer stretches in between meals for a variety of reasons. But number one, you get your appetite is more natural when you actually do eat. Just the ability to go a long time without eating is a sign of health. In my opinion, you go six hours without any blood sugar level crash. And it's also a sign that glucagon is working well, because if, if you go six hours without eating and you have no blood sugar level crash, your energy is good. Not only does that indicate that the meal you had six hours ago was a good one, but it indicates that the hormones you have are in a, they're, they're working healthy and abundantly. So glucagon is pulling energy from where it needs to be. It's going to stored body fat for a snack. So you get a snack on stored body fat just by having longer stretches in between the meals. So you could have three meals a day versus six meals a day. It could be the same amount of calories, but with three meals a day, you're actually going to go to more stored body fat. Now, ultimately, the food choices you make is more important than frequency. I know people that eat five, six times a day. They do that bodybuilding type lifestyle. They're lean. They're healthy. It works for them. Someone like myself, though, I don't want to condition my body and get it used to having food every two hours, three hours, because in my opinion, over the long run, it makes it less efficient. I remember Nate Morrison said he would have these bodybuilding type soldiers in the field with him, and they would be out in a situation where they're not eating long time and someone like him no problem but these guys would have blood sugar level crashes in the field now you know that's exactly that's what came to my mind when you said i said look man i like to eat with the with the apocalypse in mind i need i like to try to train myself like okay i may not eat for another six eight ten hours you never know so i like taking those long stretches in between and usually i may get two regular meals and maybe a snack in between, you know, like some fruit or something like that, you know. But the thing is, a lot of times I have to remind myself to eat. It's like, hey man, you might want to eat something. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're gonna be it's gonna be midnight. You're gonna be like, oh, I'm hungry as hell, but I I need to go to sleep. Now, yeah, I gotta make a choice because if I eat, I'm gonna have to stay up another three hours at least, you know. So uh, that's the thing, and that's to me, I feel like that's a good problem to have. Instead of as soon as I eat something, about an hour or so later, I need to eat something. Right. <laughs> I'm hungry again. I, I don't want. I don't actually. I don't want food interrupting my day i don't need i don't want to sit there and be in the middle of something I'm, i got a flow going all of a sudden my stomach's gurgling and, and my head's starting to hurt and it's like i can't focus you know well, that, that's why i like having a shake in the morning because it's pre-digested because it's liquefied and then it's yep. something that you can consume while you're working you don't have to and it's, it's nutrient dense too you know because look, when I have dinner, I don't. I'm not on the computer too, right? No, <laughs> hell no. Dinner, that's that's relaxing. I have a big plate of food. It's good, and I'm relaxing eating. And I'm not working at the same time. I'm not answering right. emails while I'm eating my dinner. But in the morning, I want to get things going. I want to get the day going. I'm not ready to relax yet. I just got up. <laughs> so, but I want to eat something because I know I'm going to train in a couple hours, and I'll have a better workout if I have some fuel in me. So this allows me to get a lot of nutrition in. That's easily digestible because you pack you can pack a ton of nutrition into your own morning shakes that that might be the healthiest meal i have in the day frankly because it's easy to digest and it's loaded with nutrients so it's a good way to get the day going and it doesn't put the brakes on anything you're trying to achieve either but sometimes i think it's interesting to like for example on sunday i didn't eat that much for whatever reason and then on monday i I worked out hard i didn't eat Mm -hmm. that much my sleep was a bit off 
So on Monday, I still worked out and I wanted to see how much of a, of a performance decline there would be in these conditions. Because generally, I like to eat a little bit of excess the night before a heavy workout, so I'm completely fueled up. And I was definitely a little bit weaker, but not significantly weaker. And that's a confidence builder, too, because you know you're in a fairly depleted state and you're still performing at a very high level, close to what you do when conditions are optimal. So that's good to know, too. It's, it's basically you want to make your body resilient where you're not one of these people where if you miss a meal, it's a big problem. You have to right. you get full, you get angry, your blood sugar is crashing, <laughs> that fix immediately. No, you should be able to go a long time without eating. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll work. Uh, sometimes after I work out, instead of eating, I'll go take the dogs for a walk immediately. So now I'm stretching out because I haven't had anything since my morning shake. Well, All I have is morning and, and then, and then man, I go walk. Good active recovery. Yeah, exactly. So now, now you're 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 training your body to be able to perform when it's in this depleted state, and that's really good just for mental toughness. I think a lot of I think mental toughness is a big component of leading a healthy lifestyle that's often neglected. It's always about how can we make yeah. this as comfortable as possible for you? And it's like, let's go in the other direction sometimes. And let's see what you can do when, let's make it purposely uncomfortable just to see if you can do it. It's like, yeah, you're tired. You're wiped out. You just want to lie down and eat something. But you know what? I'm going to go do that two-hour walk right now. I'm not saying I do this every time, by the way. You know, sometimes I do come home and I'm, I'm wiped out. I need to lie down for a minute. I need to get something to eat. Then I go walk the dogs. But other times I do it just because I want to see if I can do it. I want to get it out of the way so that when I do come home, that's it. I'm done for the evening. Now I can fully relax. Yeah. All right. So back to this Ozempic. <laughs> so it's it in addition to being a glucagon-like peptide, it also mimics glucagon-like peptide one. It's like, well, I hope it mimics it, given that it's <laughs> that's <what> it is. <laughs> They're saying it, it is a glucagon-like peptide. It also mimics it. That's like saying... So I'm sincere, but he also acts like sincere. Like, <laughs> wait, what? It's like saying, you know, testosterone, in, in, in a testosterone injection not only increases your own testosterone, but it actually acts like testosterone too. It's like, yeah, I would expect <laughs> it to. That's the whole point of taking it, you know? <laughs> So what this GLP-1 does is it works with your gut and it helps modify appetite, improve metabolism. And this drug also stimulates insulin release from the pancreas, which can be good or bad. So that's something to take into equation into the account as well is if someone already has really high insulin levels, what you, you definitely don't want to stimulate insulin more. You want to get that insulin resistance under control because sometimes people have really high insulin levels because it's not getting picked up on the receptor level. So you, you don't want to stimulate more insulin. You want to get the insulin that's being produced to be utilized more. And that's where things such as arlopoic acid are very effective. Berberine can help with that too. It improves insulin sensitivity. In other words, it makes insulin's job easier to do. It facilitates that. So you don't have to produce as much to get the job done. Because the goal with the insulin is the smallest amount you need to get the job done and be healthy. You don't want to have to have a very aggressive insulin response every time you eat because, yes, it will drive nutrients to where they need to go, but it will also lower your blood sugar so much that now you're ravenously hungry because insulin's job is to get sugar out of your bloodstream, prevent excess sugar from building there. So if the last thing you want to do is you already have high insulin levels. Now you take something like this, you increase insulin even more. And now you're in this hypoglycemic state. And this is what happens with Ozempic. Interestingly enough, with Mojerno, it doesn't have the blood sugar drops 
apparently that this one does. So we'll talk about that more in a second. But the, one of the other reasons why it helps with appetite is that it slows down your digestion. So food stays in your stomach longer, lowering your appetite. That's a big benefit right there. Because the slower your food digests, the more you content you are. That's why when you eat something that's really fast in terms of digesting, junk food, for example, you eat a donut. I mean, your body just absorbs this very quickly because all it is is pure sugar. And it's, it's not staying in your stomach for a long period of time, which is why you can just keep going. You know, no one eats an apple and then gets a craving for five more. You know, you want, <laughs> right. for most, you know, if it's a damn good apple, you might go back for seconds, okay? You know, maybe you're at an apple orchard and this is the best apple you've ever had in your life. You may go back for seconds, but you're probably not going to go back for thirds, even under those conditions. I've never had a couple oranges and then just ate the whole bag, you know, because <laughs> man, these oranges are good. But man. everyone everyone who's ever had cereal, you know that you can just keep You go through the whole box, yeah. yeah. You can eat the whole box easily, especially if you're just eating it the way you would popcorn, you're watching TV or something, you're just mindlessly right. eating. You can easily go through that. I always say it's really difficult to get overweight if you're only eating real food. And what's yeah. funny is, only eating real food is considered extreme. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh like, man, you don't process shit, man. What's wrong with you? That's a- come on, man. You need you need to have some fun, man. Like, relax a little bit. I'm like, okay, what does having fun and relaxing have to do with eating? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything is like, always around why- eating as, as being celebratory. Why is food? Must- why is food entertainment? <laughs> like, yes. But that's where we got to. That's where we got yeah. to. So, this food slowing down digestion—that's a big benefit. Lowers your appetite. I like the fact that that's the reason why it lowers appetite because something like ephedrine lowers appetite because your adrenaline goes through the roof. You're right. in this fight or flight type state. So you can't sit still and you're not hungry. You know, you're basically on a <laughs> You don't have time. Flight. Yeah, you really don't have time to be hungry because you're cracked out right now. It's just like, hey, man, you need to go do something. Don't sit your ass down there and eat. Go do, find something to do. Go do something. But the problem is, if your appetite goes down too much, you're not going to be eating enough, and then that will subsequently lead to a lot of muscle loss. And that's why the controversy with these medications is that people lose a lot of muscle. But I guarantee you, if you looked at this closer and looked at someone's lifestyle, if they're if they're making the right food choices, they're taking supplements such as, I don't always recommend free-form amino acids or essential amino acids, but in, for people on these medications, I think it would be useful as an insurance policy because one t- one scoop of that is basically the equivalent of eating 20 grams of protein. So you can take a couple scoops throughout the day. You're getting an extra 60 grams of protein with virtually no calories coming in. It's easily absorbed. So even if you're someone that has gut issues, you don't absorb things through too well, you shouldn't have a problem absorbing these pretty well. And it's, I'm not saying to take it in place of eating protein. You want to eat the real thing too. But this would be a good thing for that's supplemental because for some people, your appetite is going to shut off so much. I'm sure it varies with each person. Some people may have no appetite whatsoever. They're going the whole yep. day without eating, but that's not necessarily a good thing. They're going the whole day without eating because they're being tricked into it. They're not going the whole day without eating because their body's nourished and they don't need food. That, that switch in your mind has just been shut off because of the food lasting longer or because of something like ephedrine. But something like this, you actually eat, and then the digestion is slower, and that's why you're not hungry. That's actually a good thing, as opposed to the lack of appetite you get when you're taking a high dose of some kind of stimulant, whether it's high dosages of caffeine or synephrine. There's all these different supplements, medications that are in 
over-the-counter fat burners that pretty much all work the same way. They just jack up your heart rate, increase your adrenaline, you're not hungry. So yeah, sure, you you can skip meals, but you don't feel good. At least I don't. I don't feel good in those states. I don't I'm naturally somewhat of an adrenaline person anyway. So the last thing I want to do is take something like that that's gonna ramp it up further because for someone like me, it'll cause me to crash too. So if I took Epitrine for two months straight, let's say, when I get off of it, it's going to deplete my body's own ability to create adrenaline. And a lot of times people mistake adrenaline and testosterone. Sometimes you have a hard workout and you're on this high, like you've lifted something really heavy. That's not so much of a testosterone increase that's causing that feeling. It's an adrenaline increase. Because when you're about to lift something really heavy, you go into that fight or flight state because you know that you can get injured. You know it's going to be really difficult. So you pump out a lot of adrenaline to facilitate that, to get you through it. That's why someone lifting something really heavy, they're screaming it out. Now, I'm not talking right. about the guy at the gym doing lateral raises with 10 pounds, screaming it out. I'm talking about someone doing like a leg press with 1,000 pounds. Of course, you're going to be right. screaming out because you have to, you have to, you naturally want to create that adrenaline to get the job done. Now, honestly, somebody see somebody, see somebody on a leg press doing, let's just say, 1,000 pounds, and he's all just calm. He's a psycho. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. Some, some, some weird about that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, when you're weird. when you're lifting something really heavy, even if you're not someone who's prone to making to doing the yells and getting very right. aggressive about it, it's going to come out. It's some just type of, some yeah. type of response is happening. But yeah. if you if you're just sitting there looking like Cheerio, <laughs> just like okay, yeah. that yeah. dude's a psychopath. Okay, <laughs> it may it may not even be something that is so audible, but you're creating right. this intensity inside of you. Like someone like Mark Phillippe at his gym, he he wasn't he wasn't that audible, but every once in a while he would pick up something really heavy and he yeah. would make this very intense sound. You, know, you could hear it probably right. from down the street. Right. <laughs> he knew when to challenge that. It's not something he it's not something you would hear him doing with something that's even, let's say, 80% of his one rep max. We're talking right. about something that is very close to his abilities here. Right. And he said there's actually a a reason why that actually helps. It actually gets you to brace much more effectively with that right. and also breathe because if you hold your breath for too long on something yep. like a deadlift you're going to pass out we see that all the time yeah. so screaming through that sticking point also allows you to actually breathe because if you're just holding your breath and your face looks like it's about to explode you're going to end up on you're going to end up on the you're going to end up on the video yeah. clips that we share privately yeah. on instagram with each other and laugh about okay <laughs> also with something like a de- deadlift if you're screaming from the start that's a problem. You're in trouble. You know, you're in trouble. <laughs> Where it helps is when you're hitting that sticking point. Like when I did right, my old right there by that bar, kneecap, right by that yeah, yeah. When I deadlifted to 600 pounds, it, when it came off the floor, it felt really heavy, but I knew I could do it. So it was confidence. But as the bar started getting close to my knees, I could feel it slowing down, and that's it's, when I was no, 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 no. There's no way I'm going to miss this because I don't want to have to try to do this again. You know, it's, <laughs> the, it's, the, it's the area around the knee that I call the crack zone. When, yeah, you, start yeah, shaking, yeah. when you, you see people kind of pulsating and shaking like a crackhead, they, they're trying to pull and pull and they just keep, they're yeah. kind of fighting with it. That's that crackhead yeah, zone it, right it, there. It has to go from the floor to just below your knees without interruption. That has exactly. to happen. Now, if it slows down there, you can drive through it, which is what happened to me. But it's funny is when I watch the video of me doing it, I don't see the bar slowing down at all. It's just it's smooth repetition. But I remember distinctly while I was doing it, I could feel the bar slowing down. And that's why that that scream came out out of necessity. It's not something, like, oh, let me scream now. That'll help. It was more like, no, 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 no. It was more like a scream of, no, 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 no. I'm not going to miss this lift. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to get this far and miss. 
So that's where that kind of stuff comes out too. Right. So, so the long story with adrenaline is that when if you adre- if you release adrenaline too much, because you can get on this adrenaline high where you just feel unstoppable. You're sleeping four hours a night. You're crushing it in the gym. You're killing it in your business. Your energy is good. You're like, man, I'm a machine. But eventually, sooner or later, usually sooner than you want, that adrenaline is going to crash. And then it's going to take a while for your body to start producing its own adrenaline in a healthy way so that you just feel normal. So you're going to have to accept that trade-off of you're going to have these highs for a while, and then you're going to have some lows that you just have to persevere through to get back to being normal, not the highs again. That's just a trade-off with anything. Anything that takes you way up, at some point, it's going to bring you back down too. So that's just something to be aware of. Okay, so back to Azempic. Now, here's here's actually some of the health benefits of it that are really interesting. Some of the studies show that it can promote what's called plaque stability in those in arteries, so making the plaque less likely to break off and close off the artery. Now, that's a big benefit, too, because some people have that, and they don't even know that. They don't have plaque stability, but they don't feel anything, and it's not something you really check unless you do, let's say, a calcium test or something like that to see how much calcification there are in your arteries which is a, it's a good test to do. It's a good indicator of your heart health. <clears throat> so it almost works like a blood thinner and it reduces that platelet clumping. So that's a big benefit for sure. Now, there was a trial of 17,604 overweight and obese patients with heart disease. They do weekly injections of Wegovy because it's not something you take every day. It's like the peptides I take, but you just inject an insulin needle once a week. It's a lot of people are afraid of injections, but th- this is pretty minor. You just pinch a little it's bit. Of that. Yeah. It, it, you don't really feel a thing. I've been well, taking peptides for years and it's, it's not difficult to use insulin needles. Yeah. And, and like with this stuff, like with the Mizuno or whatever, it's like, it looks like a tube. You just kind of put it on the injection site and you just press down on it and yeah. basically it goes in and then it clicks when it's done. And then you just pick it up and, and you, that's it. <laughs> it's over. So with this trial, people were on it for 33 months. I always love how they talk about things in 30. months, of like saying a year and this amount. 33 months, and you have to calculate your mind. Okay, so it's like true. mothers. It's like mothers with their damn babies. It's like, how old is your child? 17 months? Really? We still doing that? Uh, so oh, he's so 24. At, he's 24 months. That motherfucker's two. Okay, can you just say? That? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're at two years and nine months. This trial. <laughs> now it reduced the risk of heart attack, stroke, and death from cardiovascular causes by 20% compared to a placebo. So that's pretty significant too. But it's not too surprising in my opinion because it shuts off your appetite, which means you may not be eating as much healthy food as you should, but you're also not eating as much unhealthy food as you should. That ends up giving a bunch of plaque buildup in your arteries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's it's not like it's doing anything magical for your arteries. I think what it's doing is it's facilitating- giving them a break. (laughs) It's giving your arteries a break because you overload them so much. You don't have an appetite, which means you also don't have an appetite from junk food that you're probably over-consuming, which is in most cases why you got overweight in the first place. It's not from eating a lot of healthy food. It's it's right. virtually impossible to get really overweight only eating healthy food. I'm not saying it's impossible. And yes, there's differences with people, but it's way more difficult. I actually have to eat some junk food just to keep weight on, honestly, because otherwise I just lose too much weight, which is not a problem one cares to hear about. Oh, good for you. I was like, no, but this is, this is, this is the benefit of having a healthy lifestyle. You have a good amount of muscle mass and you have a high activity level. The problem you have now is making sure you eat enough each day. Yeah. Especially people like us, which are pretty adrenaline based, you're, you're you're trying to get stuff done. I'm getting stuff done. We're working. We're doing things. We're going after our interests. So that that also has 
an appetite reduction effect as well. I mean, think about any time you're really excited. A lot of times appetite just shuts off. You have to make yourself eat. Because exactly. You're Your body's got to make a decision. It's like, okay, what do I, what do I direct this to, this energy to? It's like, you can't have it both ways. Otherwise, my dad not, was not, always, a, my dad always liked to play this. It's, just, it's like a dickhead move where on the morning of Christmas, he always insisted that we had breakfast first before we get to go open the present. <laughs> now, as a kid, you know, as a kid, Christmas is the time of year where you're like, hey, I may actually get some stuff I want because you have no power to get anything you want. And the last thing you want to do is have to suffer through breakfast. You're not hungry at all is where I'm going. You're excited. So, I mean, you could go the whole day without eating. You want to see what you've yeah. got. You want to have a healthy breakfast first. You know? <laughs> he would always do stupid shit like that. We would. Roger and I would want to go to a baseball card show. My dad would be like, well, I just bought this basketball apparatus, so we're going to have to set that up first before we can go. <laughs> Where are you now, out? <laughs> yeah, now we go to the baseball card show, and there's 30 minutes left before the whole thing closes down. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, anyway, I won't keep going on that tangent. So, Ozempic is a it's a once a week injection. Mm-hmm. When you first start using Ozempic, they generally recommend a really low dosage, such as zero point twenty five yep. milligrams once a week. In that, because you can get nauseated with it, you can there there are some side effects. You can have gut distress with it. So, it's always a good idea to, to just acclimate yourself to it rather than going to the highest dosage. Generally. From what I can see, two milligrams recommends the upper end, two milligrams a week of the highest dosage that people seem to be on. I think most people probably fall between 0.5 milligrams and one milligram. My suggestion on this, just looking at this intuitively, would be the the lowest dose that gives you the best benefit would be what I would want to go with. So if you get, let's say you take 0.25 milligrams and it doesn't shut off your appetite completely or doesn't reduce it dramatically but it does reduce it and it's somewhat mild for some people that may be all they need. They just need a, a they just need a, a mitigation of that appetite. They don't need it to shut off completely because they're active to you, but they just need to, it just needed to be reduced. And then some people need much stronger appetite control. These are the people that eat a whole bag of potato chips or food is constantly on your mind, which is common with people with leptin resistance and other things is that you, you never get the satiety single. So your hunger signal is always on. And that's one thing people have to realize who've never had weight issues is that, is that if you had that issue where you imagine just always being hungry, no matter what, you just ate a meal, yep, still hungry. You wake up, you're hungry. Before you go to bed, you're hungry. You know, for some people, that's their reality. Yeah. And it's it's infantile to say, oh, that person's lazy when, let's see how you do when your appetite is through the roof all the time, 24-7. Well, let's just see how you do when you're addicted to anything. We're like, yeah, yeah, let's see how good like your Because it's, it's, it's an addiction. You know, so yeah, it is. It is. So let's just see how people can function. Just go a whole day without your phone, your cell phone, right? Without right. going on social media, whatever it is that you're. You, and just saying that, just saying that right now triggered some people. They're like, oh hell no, <laughs> or, they, or they or they flinched a little bit when I said that. Well, that's the same thing we tell someone who who has issues with weight and they're addicted to food. You tell them like, no, nah, we you, you need to eat a lot less. Yeah. What? What? You know? So. Yes, addiction, man, it just comes in all different forms. And all of us have some type of addiction. Even, even those of you that I got to go work out, you know, people right. going to the, going right. to the Bahamas and you still got to go to the gym. 
Look, man, I'm going to the Bahamas. The gym is the last thing on my mind. <laughs> I know you're only going to be there for probably a couple days or a week. Oh, I'm going to lose my gains. I'm going to lose my yeah, gains. Yeah, I, I can go a week without trading. Look, I love trading, but I also love relaxing. You know, I feel like I've got the balance to. Like, I, I love working out hard and being active, and then in the evening going, oh, cool, I'm just going to lounge out. I'm going to read, watch right. TV. I'm going to relax. That feels good, too, especially when you've had a really energetic day. But right. some people, they just, they just, yeah, I think that's a good testament of whether you're addicted to training or not is let's say you're, forget about five days. Let's say you're going on a three day trip somewhere. And then the first thing you're thinking is, okay, what's the hotel gym like? I go, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to notice what the hotel gym's like. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not, I don't care. It's three days. Well, the first thing out of your, your mind is like, man, so what, what's the, what's the password for the Wi-Fi? And, and, <laughs> and it's like, oh man, this hotel's got some shitty Wi-Fi. Why do you care? Yeah. why are you in your room on wi-fi anyway so yeah it's good it's good to have a vacation just from your own activity that's the thing it also is you don't always have to get on go on a trip and get out of your environment to be on vacation you can take a right. vacation from your routine anytime you want you can say hey you know what my body needs a break this week i'm not going to go to the gym at all i'm going to stay active but i'm going to go do other stuff that i normally wouldn't do because i'm always focused on this you do something mm-hmm. else whatever it is something that's or my, or my- <laughs> Or my adrenals need a break. So this week, no coffee whatsoever. Yeah. You know, I'm just going I'm yeah. just drinking water. That's the only liquid I'm drinking this week. So therefore, I'm just make sure I'm getting enough water. You know? Yeah, it's just good to know you can do it you know, for no <laughs> other reason. Even that made some people flinch. Like, wait a minute, a week with no coffee? What the hell is wrong yeah. with this series? Is he a madman? The They're like, I don't even want to fast between lunch, breakfast and lunch, let alone the whole <laughs> <laughs> That two hours between meals, that's fasting enough for me. <laughs> So when you think about it, why isn't three meals enough? Why do people even have to have snacks in between? Remember there was a time growing up where, you know, it was it was promoted like three square meals a day was a thing. <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah, lunch it, it, and dinner. Three square meal, even three square meals is very gimmicky because not everybody right. some people are like, look, I don't I don't deal with breakfast and I do just fine. I don't want to eat until you know right. breakfast means you're breaking your fast. So you don't have to do it in the morning. You could do it in the right. afternoon or some other time. So it's, a, it's like different things work for different people. Some people, they eat one big meal a day. You know, I've done that yeah. before, the pros and cons of that. But some people love it, and it's easy yeah. for them. To do it. it works for them, and they can maintain that. They love the idea of I wake up, I go the whole day without having to think about food. I'm going to get shit done, do everything I want to do, and then I'm going to feast at night. So other yeah, people, my, that's yeah. not going to work. Yep. Some people can, you know, get all their calories in one meal, you know. Right. But it makes sure it's nutrient dense, though. But yeah, not too, not too dense. You have to be very judicious. If you're only eating mm-hmm. one actual meal a day, no snacks, just one meal. I mean, you have to be very judicious with the food choices you make. Yeah, you let's just say, let's just say on average, you know, you need two thousand calories. Like, how many people can really put in two thousand good quality cal- calories in one meal? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it becomes this thing where you sometimes okay, now don't you give get, you a window. So with intermittent fasting, you have yep six hours or four hours to eat all your food. Yeah. But even my, my experience with intermittent fasting is that it becomes a little bit, it becomes stressful. Religious. At times. Yeah, well, I, don't, we, I, don't yeah. mean, I don't, I don't mean stressful as in going the whole day without eating is stressful. That's actually not stressful. No, but it's stressful. Like, okay. Like, okay. I, I, oh man, I got three more hours left. Man, I got to hear it. But yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, hungry. Yeah. You're not yeah. hungry. You're like, but I need to eat because I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't feel that that level of restricted restrictiveness is necessary for someone like me. I, I feel like I have a healthy relationship with food and I don't need to put this unnecessary pressure on myself to yeah. so, okay, now I got to make sure I eat this much just so I can get through tomorrow. When if yeah. I just had a shake in the morning and maybe a snack in the afternoon, if I felt like it, 
I mean, most of my food is consumed in the evening. That's true after stuff, but not all of it, but most of it is. And it's consumed over a long period of time. Dinner for me is usually early, such as around five o'clock. You know, then I go walk the dogs. Then I come back. I have another meal or some snacks. So it's just it's, nothing can take the place of individual experimentation. That's another important thing, too, is you have, you have to play around with stuff. And most likely, you're going to have to modify it to your needs. So instead of saying, OK, this book said eight hours, no eating whatsoever, and then I do this. You may find that you have a shake in the morning, you have some nuts and seeds or some simple snack in the afternoon. That works better for you than just an eight-hour fast, especially if you're someone that's super active. Because if you're really active, it's going to be very difficult to get all of those calories you need in one, in one short window. And it's also going to be, I mean, I can't imagine you're not going to just feel heavy and bloated. <laughs> <laughs> because 2,000 calories in, let's say, a couple hours, that's a lot of calories to take in in a short period of time. Yeah. So the other side effects with, here's some of the side effects. Let's get into these with both Ozempic and Mojerno, and apparently, is that it can cause nausea. I had a, a friend who works for Retriever Rescue where I got Rumi. And when I met her, when I went to pick up Rumi, she and her husband had just started Ozempic. I think they would have been on it for maybe a week. And she said that they both felt pretty nauseated, I think, for the first couple yeah. of days and then it wore off. Yeah. So that, that's something that to be expected. And then, but also that, that, that nausea also helps with not eating because you're, yeah. <laughs> you're this, that's, the, that's the last thing you want to do. How, just like, how many times do you want to eat when you feel nausea? Not me. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I get too high from an edible or something. You get that nauseated feeling. Yeah. It's like, forget or, about the Like lunch. me, I'll smoke too strong of a cigar, but it's almost close to time at the cigar shop. So I kind of smoke a little fast. <laughs> and then I'm just feeling like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm high right now. This damn, yeah. <laughs> this Maduro yeah. cigar right now. I said, damn, yeah. This, yeah, that's, that's like, it's like thing. I smoked, it's like I smoked a bag of weed or something, man. And I, right. and I don't want to eat. But then when it wears off, I'm like, okay, I, I got the munchies. I was like, damn, right. I don't need to right. smoke marijuana. <laughs> I just need a Maduro. <laughs> no, that, but that's what happens when the nausea wears off. Now it's like, yeah. okay, I need to refuel now. Now so I'm <laughs> bloating, constipation. It's always interesting to me so that it's medic- fun. <laughs> well, it's always interesting to me that a medication may cause diarrhea or constipation. And, or constipation. Or you may fluctuate. You may oscillate between <laughs> both. So one day you're constipated. Now you're, look, oscillating between constipation and diarrhea, that's not a fun place to be. Okay? <laughs> when you're constipated, you really need to go. But when you have diarrhea and you go, it's not pleasant. You don't feel good about it. Right? It's like pee out your butt. Stop. Pee out your butt, stop. <laughs> these, yeah, these, these are not good states to be in. Any, anyone who's experienced gut issues, which we all have at one time or another, these are not desirable states to be in. That's for sure. Hey man, it's like having Indian food, man. It's like, you you know, we've had too much naan because you're constipated. But you know when the food is really spicy because you got the you got diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. We, my wife and I always joke like, man, you. So if you really, if you, if you're Indian and you eat just Indian food and nothing American influence, you really shouldn't be fat. As much, so as much as your ass is on fire from this food, man, yeah. it's like, come on, yeah. there should not be any fat people in India. When I see a well, fat that, person that's Indian, I'm like, you are Americanized, my friend. Well, the, a, fat, a fat person in India is a, is a wealthy person, number one. Yes. Most yep. poor people, even if they're not eating the best food, they're not getting enough of it. Like people in Uganda that live. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, my wife said it about yeah, Africa. You, you always do the rich ones. <laughs> yeah, most people live off ugali, which is cornmeal. It's basically yep. an oatmeal type substance. It's it's not the tastiest thing in the world. They eat it out of cassava. Yeah. yeah, this is not something that really anyone looks forward to, except for the fact that you're hungry. So you'll look forward to anything when you're hungry. Like, if you're hungry yeah, enough, like, that ugali is <laughs> going to be the best meal you've ever had. 
And for a lot of these people, they don't, that that's what they live off of. And foo-foo and, and what, things like that, man. You know, like the Indian diet, the problem, Indian, the Indian diet is a, is a one track road to insulin resistance because it's super high in fat and it's super high in carbohydrates, in particular, high glycemic carbohydrates. So it, although it doesn't really matter, the carbohydrates, when you have that much fat. So when you have a lot of fat, your insulin receptors get weak. The, the carbohydrates or the glucose builds up in your bloodstream because insulin is too too weak to drive it out of your bloodstream. And now you have to progressively keep making these stronger and stronger insulin responses to get the job done to the point where your insulin receptors don't work well at all. And every time you eat, pretty much all of the calories are going to store body fat. Now, that's the, yeah. the dark side of just being in a very high insulin resistance state. And it, most, that diet definitely does it. But eating out, out in general is generally a lot of fat and a lot of carbohydrates. And it's yeah. not just not just a lot of fat. It's a lot of low quality fats because yeah, it's like canola oil and you know, vegetable yeah, oil. Yeah, they're not using olive oil to stir fry. Yeah, your they're meat. not doing avo- yeah, an avocado oil. They're not trying to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually Crisco, you know, yeah, right? So because it's cheap. Stomach, yeah, exactly. Stomach pain, pain or redness at the injection site. That's. The pain or redness at the injection site. It's a needle. Awesome. It's a needle. Well, well, sometimes when you just you don't know what you're doing, it's you. you yeah. There's going to be so, even now. I've been injecting peptides for a long time. Sometimes I don't get it right, and you get like this blister on site that you just didn't get it right. But generally, if the needle feels painful going in, stop and reset because it shouldn't. It shouldn't feel painful at all. So if you pin and also change the places where you're injecting too, so because sometimes. Exactly. You're just injecting the same place over and over again, and you actually develop a scab there, and then you inject right in there, and all this it's blood. Hard, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Callous. You have all this scar tissue. Come on, there, man. Even scenario. even drug addicts know better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. We're doing heroin in their toes and sticking right. their penis. Right. <laughs> now, Jerry Branham, I Jerry Jerry. He's been on the show many times. Jerry's a great guy, super knowledgeable. He actually did a whole episode of his YouTube show on just Ozempic. So I would encourage people to check that out too. It's about 25 minutes, 30 minutes. <laughs> and he's very yeah. thorough with it, good breakdown. But he brought up some some of the more funny side effects. So one is people can lose so much fat in the face that their wrinkles become way more pronounced. <laughs> so, because the fat actually covers up the wrinkles to some right. extent. It's filler. Yeah, yeah. It's so a lot of times when you see someone really overweight and they're much older, they don't really, they're, usually they're not as wrinkled as someone that is leaner and and thin that's much older because the fat kind of fills up those areas so that the, the wrinkles are not as pronounced. But now you lose all this fat because you're going to lose it from everywhere. You're not going to just lose fat in places you want to lose it. You're going to lose fat everywhere. A lot of times people lose fat in the face first. Uh, that, don't, means, don't, that means you don't that lose means- that's booby and ass reduction. That's a problem. Well, that's where I'm about to go. That, that's, 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 that's a problem. As a man, that, that's a problem for me. It's like, yeah, you, girl, <laughs> hey, girl, hold on. You, you no, we're, 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 not, we're not talking about your own ass here. You know, no, talking- no. <laughs> <laughs> the ass I need to observe. It's like, hey, where'd your booty go, girl? <laughs> I, I was about to go off on a tangent, but let me get through this next That's no, not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, this tangent is kind of funny, but th- let's get through this next part first. All right, so so that's something to be aware of. But also another one is that Jerry said that your butt can get really small. It can even become flat. You know, these are his exact words. It's, it's, it's it, but, but he said he said that will happen only if you don't exercise. And that's the other thing. Yeah. I said some doctors are saying, yeah, you lose weight on this, but it's 
50% muscle, 50% fat. And whenever I hear that, I'm thinking, okay. I'm like, that's that's but, all the – you need some key body parts right there, man. It, that, yeah, that's 100% yeah. of both of those. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't want to lose fat and muscle at the same ratio. That's for sure. But the only reason you're going to lose muscle, in my opinion, is you're not getting enough nutrients. That's number one. And you're not engaging it in, in strength training. You got to keep lifting right. weight. You got to keep being active. And I would say weight training becomes even more important in this state because right. you want to hold on to muscle mass. The more muscle mass you have, the better. And I'm not talking about bulk. I'm not talking about being as bulky as possible. But when you, the more muscle you have, the better your metabolism works, the better your body works, period. And you're gonna, it's going to be way better for your physique composition too. You're going to be much happier with the results. And that's something you should be doing anyway because at some point you're going to have to go all off of this stuff. And the healthier yeah. your lifestyle is while you're on it, that's going to be a lot easier to maintain when you're off of it. Because I don't believe that you can't get off of this and lose all the benefits. I definitely think you can get off of this if you do it in a smart way. But you just have to make sure you have those lifestyle modifications in place during the entire duration. And then exactly. it's a much easier transition than just eating unhealthy food and relying on, okay, my appetite is shut off. So now I, I don't have to learn how to make better food choices and how to organize things in a way which naturally reduces cravings. Because one thing I did is, one thing I do, whenever I want a piece of cake or ice cream or anything like that, coconut ice cream, I always say, okay, eat something healthy first, you know, have dinner first. And then if you still yep. want it after it, then have it. A lot of times you don't. A lot of times no, that is gone. Sometimes you do though. And you know what? It's fine because- one, if you're super active, you don't have to be perfect all the time. You can enjoy stuff too. You don't have to have everything dialed in to the point where it's stressful. And the other thing is it, once you have a healthy meal in your stomach, that buffers the negatives. So if I have a cookie on an empty stomach, you get a big insulin spike. You're you want more cookies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So And then you can get like this one guy asked me the pork. He's like, I'm always really tired after I have a piece of cake. And I go, do you have it after dinner? He's like, no, I have it in the afternoon. I'm basically at an empty stomach. And I go, well, that's why. Because if you had it after dinner and you had a healthy dinner, I'm pretty much guarantee that wouldn't happen. It's it's buffered now. Things are in play. Your insulin hey. sensitivity is good. That food, that junk food, which normally would go through your stomach and intestines really fast, is not going to go through fast now because it's buffered by the food that's already there. Yep. Now, the thing that Jerry also talked about with this is that when you get off of Ozempic, he said nine out of 10 will gain their weight back. When you stop the benefits, you don't have the insulin sensitivity anymore. You don't have the appetite control. Insulin sensitivity is not difficult to provoke. There's supplements that help with that. Modifying your diet will help with that. So that's, you may not be getting insulin sensitivity from this medication anymore, but that's easy to maintain with just a couple of intermediaries, something such as berberin, which I prefer over metformin because it doesn't have any of the side effects metformin has on gut distress or anything like that. Metformin's also okay, though, if you're okay with that. That'll keep that insulin sensitivity going. And then there's apple cider vinegar, which keeps insulin sensitivity going. Now, none of these things are necessarily going to help you with appetite control. They're just going to help you with processing the foods you are eating in a much healthier way so that you get the health benefits more from the physique comp composition benefits. Pretty much anything that helps you lose weight in some one way or another, whatever the reason is, it's because of appetite control, as we've already discussed. Yep. All right, now let's get into Mongerno. Mongerno. I love these names, by the way. Mongerno. Wegovi. Now, why is it called Wegovi? Is that the name of a company or something? I don't know. <laughs> so whoever comes up with these names, Terzepatide, sold as Mongerno. Yes. 
Okay. Well, I don't know if Mongiorno is that much better than Terzepatide, <laughs> but we're going to go with it because that's that's what it's called. <laughs> now, it's similar to Ozempic, but it, it actually has a greater affinity to GIP receptors than to GLP-1 receptors. Here we go with this again. GI what? So Ozempic works on the GLP-1 receptor, and Mongiorno works on both, but it has an affinity for the GIP receptor. Now, the main benefit of this is that you're not going to have the hyperglycemia that you would with Ozempic. So you're not going to have the blood sugar crashes. Now, people lost 20% of their weight in 18 months. Now, I don't know what percentage of this was muscle versus fat. It didn't say, yeah. but they did lose 20% of their weight. But like I said, if if they lost more muscle than fat or a disproportionate amount, it was because they weren't on a, they weren't on a strength training regimen and they weren't eating enough protein or enough calories in general. And like I said, I think that's a fairly easy fix by adding a supplement such as essential amino acids yeah. that and now there's a really good brand what's the name of the brand i'll think of it before the episode is up performance aminos i believe is what it's called that's actually a really good one i actually have that because as you get older your body's ability to extract amino acids from food is mitigated that's why a lot of times they recommend older people eat more protein than they normally do to take that into account because you're not going to get as much of the amino acids now, obviously, keeping your gut health on point, keeping your enzyme levels high is going to improve your digestion, but it's a good insurance mechanism to just throw in a tablespoon or two of a good essential amino acid product, even if you're not taking these medications, just as nutritional insurance, especially if you have those days where maybe your nutrition was off. You didn't get all the food that you normally get in. Take a tablespoon or two of this. You're getting your baseline amino acids taken care of. You're basically ensuring that your amino acids are always in healthy ranges. That will mitigate the muscle loss too. I think amino acids become way more beneficial when you're taking medications like this because of how much they shut off your appetite. That one is, it has to be taken into account. Okay. So I think that's about it for all of these things. And like I said, the benefits stop when you stop using it. And that's why it's an, my guess is it would probably be a good idea to wean yourself off something like this as well. So if you're at two milligrams a week, instead of just going from two milligrams to zero, go two milligrams, one milligram, go to 0.5, then go to 0.25, maybe for even a couple of weeks, and then wean off from that. Now, some doctors say that they're much bigger fans of Mongerno than Ozempic. They state that you don't have as many of the side effects that Ozempic has such as the nausea, the diarrhea, the bloating, and the muscle loss. I think yeah. the muscle loss, though, yeah. is based on caloric and intake. I, I don't think it's anything Ozempic is necessarily doing where it has a predilection for muscle over fat. I think if you're just not consuming enough calories, that's going to happen. Yeah. <clears throat> and like I said, there's like the differences are, again, there's the price point. Majorna is a little more. And doctors are not as freely to prescribe Mangiorno because obviously it works a little too well. So they're, they're very selective on who they prescribe that for. Whereas everybody and mama can get Ozempic at this point, right? you know, and Trulicity and, you know, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's only only approved for prescription for insulin issues. So people with diabetes. Now, obviously it's, it's obviously being prescribed for off-label purposes in abundance because neither one of these are difficult medications to get. 
people want to make money, <laughs> including yeah. doctors. There's plenty of doctors that'll that'll write scripts for just about anything. Yeah. And that's not always a bad thing, because I think you should be able to get whatever you want. It shouldn't be like, well, you can get whatever you want, but you have to understand the risk. No, I don't have to understand the risk. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to deal with the... Co- I mean, look, yeah, should you understand the risk? Yeah, but it's still my choice as an adult, what I want to do. So if I want to take something, <laughs> it should be as simple as, yeah, I want to take this. Now, maybe the doctor to clear his or her own conscience will say... No, I'll be like, well, I need you to sign this, sign this form right here saying that yeah. you, you're making this choice. I didn't say you're making the right choice or the wrong choice. Just saying yeah. that, hey, my doc told... He gave me... He told me all the issues that come with it and i'm still making a choice to use it so he's not responsible yeah at the end of the day you're a grunt you're a fucking adult and so i can't tell you what to do i can i can suggest doctor i've had doctor friends that were cool about writing me stuff and i I never took advantage of that just just different things for me to try but in my mind i always thought look if this goes south it's not going to bounce back on the doctor. You know, I would never yeah. do that. I'm like, well, so-and-so shouldn't have prescribed this to me. It's like, look, I knew the risk going in. I'm an adult. Exactly. But if this backfires, it's, it's not going to, I'm not going to do one of these like, class litigation suits or try to get some right. money. Oh, this was medical malpractice. Oh, I should, this doctor should have known better than to give this to me and all that. <laughs> like no. accept responsibility, be, be an adult. Yeah. yeah. So should, should think- a doctor explain the pros and cons? Yeah, of course they should explain the pros and cons to it. But ultimately it's your choice and it should be your choice and you should have access to whatever you want just because for whatever reason, you don't even have to well, give an explanation. Well, because it's my money and what I do with my money is my business. You right. know, that, that's how it really should come, it should come down to that. Yeah. So, I mean, the verdict with stuff like this is I don't think, I like the fact that they they do long-term studies on this, meaning that 20% of their weight was lost in 18 months. Now, I wonder at what time frame of that 18 months, the 20% of the weight loss happened. So in other words, at month six, was it 10%, 12%? Was it right. 20% even at the 12-month mark? And then it just maintained to 18 months. You know, yeah. when did it get up to that 20%? Now, I don't know if they tested along the way to see where it goes, or they just waited till the very end to see what happens, but that would be good to know as well. I think that my recommendation with this would be to start with the lowest dose possible, build up slowly, and then make sure every nutrition you take or every calorie you take now has to count. So if you can only eat a thousand calories in a day, for example, you can't allocate half of that to junk food. You have to allocate. Honestly, you should be healthier than you've ever been when you take these medications based on the food choices you're making. Because now it's crucial that you make the right food choices because you're limited with how it's not something where you can just eat 2000 calories of healthy food. And then you still have space for 500 calories of unhealthy food every day. You don't anymore. And, and so just, to to like, just to show the effectiveness of Mangiano, um, even at a low dosage, you know, there's been those who lost two to five pounds a week. So by yeah. 15 pounds in a month. You know, yeah, a lot. so yeah, so but at the same time, without them even knowing it, so it wasn't like just very noticeable, just having to get us like, oh shit, I lost 15 pounds, you know, yeah. and you know, so you got to think about it. it again, it also depends on where they are at the time when they started, how much right. did they have that, to lose, because nine times out of ten, that might have been all the extra friends from the last diet or the last right. medication that you know, that those pounds that they lost brought back with them and left them yeah. behind, so. So, yeah, so you got to look at all that. So, again, you got to make all the stuff has to be very personalized and you really got to really know 
your data, like where you're starting, where you're coming from and where you're going at the same time and not just free ball it the entire time, you know, because then you really won't know what actions and measures you need to take moving yeah. forward with it, especially when things are starting to go the way that you want them to. It's like, okay, I'm not craving junk food as much as I want to. And now I'm actually eating nutrient dense food now. And you're getting to that. You get to that point where you understand how to incorporate that into your lifestyle on a daily basis, especially right. Eventually, you have an end game where it's like, okay, I don't want to be on this expensive crap for the rest of my life. So I'm really, I need, I need to know where I am now, where I've been, and where I'm going, so I can move forward with something that's a lot more affordable and uh, it's sustainable, you know, yeah, to do going forward. So getting to a the, the sustainable is takes a lot of experience and it takes a lot of test driving things. Yep, and it takes it just takes a lot of experimentation because. Like, like I, I think the heaviest I was when I was lifting much more was probably around 215, which is heavy for me. And that's not an easy weight for me to hold on to. I can hold on to it for a short right. period of time. It's fun at that weight because everything feels light. You feel super strong. Cardio is usually not as good at that weight as it is when I'm around 205. But where I'm at right now, let's say 195 to 200 around that range. What I'm doing right now is very sustainable is where I'm going. It's not, it yeah. doesn't require a ton of effort because I'm not trying to do anything extraordinary right now. I'm just enjoying yeah. working out. I'm just being active. I'm eating healthy food. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want. It just happens most of the time. It's healthy food. So it's it's easy for me to sustain this. So if I want to go into more extreme directions, that's fine because I know that this is where I'll come back to at some point. But at the yeah. same time, if I'm going to come back to this point, then I might as well just stay at this point <laughs> because I'm going to put all my effort. I'm going to put all this effort into, let's say, dialing it up. I get back up to 210 or something like that. And I feel strong as a bull. And then six months later, I'm right back to this. And so it just, yeah. it just depends on your personality. For me, right. for me, the reason why steroids never really appealed to me is I always thought no matter how safely you use anabolics, at some point you have to stop taking them. You can't just take them for your right. whole life. I mean, you could. You probably could take that for your whole life, but there's probably going to be some health consequences to that. Yeah. Not, not. It's a very unfavorable ones. But the idea of I take something and I'm significantly stronger than I am without it, and then you're basically just borrowing that for a while because eventually you have to stop, and then you're going to go back to where you were. Now, some people say you hold on to a lot of stuff. Other people say you lose everything. So there seems to be mixed results, probably because people are different. <laughs> people are going to have different experiences. And sometimes people lie. Because they're attached to the results or they're attached to whatever they're using. And, you know, so yeah. they have to, they have to create these stories or they've had a bad experience with it. So they have to create the negative story that goes with it. So, <laughs> well, you, you have some people that abuse their bodies so much with anabolics that now they have to get on TRT. Yeah. So now they have to get on steroids, which is what TRT is ultimately. It's, it's a natural compound that we produce, but it's a steroid. And, now you have to get on that, though, because of everything you booze. Now, the good news is, is that that's actually an option, because right. imagine if it weren't an option. Imagine someone abused their bodies with anabolics, and then there's nothing they can do to get their testosterone back into a healthy range. They just have to live with it. That would really yeah. suck. So when people say, oh, I don't want to have to take TRT for the rest of my life, well, just be glad that that's an option, you know? <laughs> because it may be the only way at some point that's going to work for you, and it should, you should be happy that that option exists for sure. But in the meantime, work on some things where you never have to be in that in that situation in the first place. Yeah, well, my, my take on TRT is very nuanced. So sometimes, like 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 for and example, I, I think well, I'm not, and I'm not talking about people old. I'm talking about you're in your freaking twenties and thirties. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, because yeah. there are people that they're already on TRT that are like 
they're like I said, they haven't even hit like 35 yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's concerned. Look, I know guys in their early 20s that are on TRT, not because yeah. they have to be. They just want the benefits of being on it. So they're taking, you know, they already have good levels. They're taking this. Now they have way higher levels than they would ever have. And they're right. killing it in the gym and all that. But you're in your <laughs> early 20s. So the last thing you want to do is shut off your own production to the point where by the time you're in your 30s, you can't bring it back. Right. And if you stay on, like, look, I, I strongly believe that you could try TRT for a year or two and get off of it and get your natural production back. No doubt about that. But what about someone that's been on it for 10 years straight, 15 years straight? You know, at that point, obviously, you might as well just stay on it, you know, depending on what your age is. But you may be in a position where now you have to stay on it because right. you're natural production is never coming back maybe your natural production was never good to start with you know so that's so so it's a non-issue but there's there's levels of complexity here but here's my take i had a guy recently who in his early 30s and he wanted to try my t-booster he was asking me what do you think of the pros and cons versus your t-booster versus trt and i go well the real question you should ask is how terrible do you feel right now and how much faster do you want to get good because my t-booster works Changing your diet will work. Lifestyle modification will work. Improving your sleep. Those are all things that will work, but they're going to take time. You're not going to feel better immediately. It's going to take probably months to even go in the direction of feeling really good and then dialing it in further. Now, if you're in a place where you just feel miserable and every day is a total struggle and you can take a testosterone shot and you're going to feel better immediately. Now, that's the thing about a testosterone shot. Andrew Barr of Warrior Angels. Now, this guy was suicidally depressive. And then he said after his first testosterone shot, because he was at zero from those brain traumas, he was at zero, not low, zero. So in a a guy like him with his background, you you probably feel even worse than a regular guy would feel because this is a guy that was in the elite levels of the military. So it's very masculine adrenaline type personality. So you're going to feel even worse. Everyone's going to feel terrible at zero, but this, it was probably even more pronounced for him because he's used to feeling very alpha and very in charge. But just one testosterone shot, and he felt better immediately. And I, I believe the last time I spoke to him, he said he's not even taking TRT anymore. I think he said Man. that he just follows Mark Gordon's uh, Clomid protocol, kilograms yeah. every third day, and that's enough. So what I'm saying is he didn't have to be on it for the rest of his life. But at that moment, it was the most important thing for him to take because even Clomid would have taken a while. It may not have worked. And here, TR, a, a testosterone injection is going to work 100% of the time. I can't imagine anyone getting an injection of testosterone and your levels don't go way up. It's just going to happen because it's just flooding your bloodstream with it. And depending on how someone feels, that could be the difference between them wanting to live or not based on that extreme situation. So even if you're in your 20s or early 30s, it's not about, hey, you're too young to do any of this stuff. It's no, that's how do you feel right now? Now, be completely honest. Are you miserable right now? And every day is a struggle and it's doom and gloom and you don't know how much more of this you can take. You know, if that's how you're honestly feeling, Let's get you on some testosterone right now because it's going to make you feel better immediately. And then down the line, six months later, a year later, we can talk about weaning you off and doing a more natural protocol such as my two booster or a clomid or a combination of the two. So that, that's the way I look at that. It's got to be more nuanced than just all or nothing. Yep. Cool. I think that was very informative. And like I said, right now, you know, both of those drugs are like, they're all over the place. They're all in the news. They're in every little thing. And yeah. it's just a matter. It's, yeah. And hopefully I've saved you some time because I'm sure it's just a matter of time before someone's going to reach out to you and ask, Hey, Mike, what do you think about, you know, Ozempic? What do you think about, 
you know, Mojerno and have you heard about these and what does that have to do? People ask about, you know, for the most part, you know, what's funny is the more mainstream something becomes, the less interested I am in looking into it. (laughs) Right. So when these things first came on the scene, I was like, "Eh, I don't care about that. Right. Most of the people I work with, they, that's not what they're going to gravitate towards. I'm not saying no one's using it, but that that's not what's necessarily going to be appealing to them. Because the people that come to me, most of these people are people that are active and dedicated to a health. They, they want to do things right, quote unquote, for lack of a better metaphor. They, they, they want to do things in a sustainable manner. Now, some people may think, hey, let me use this as a booster. Like, let me try it for well, a see, that's, that's That's why I want to bring it up because now you got people like Charles Barkley and Shaq. So, any, <laughs> you know, you start seeing these guys doing it. You know, I think Barkley lost like 60 pounds or whatever. You know, so, of course, you know, people – going to watch sports participating sports they're going to see that and like hey man i saw barkley doing this like what's up with this no not shaq's doing it. what's up with that because they're in their mind they're still thinking about these guys as active athletes <laughs> you know there's they're still kind of thinking about them in that way not that he's a guys who are retired rich and sitting on their ass a lot <laughs> you know or yeah. just not necessarily they don't have to train because of their job no. anymore no they know? don't but a lot of people don't separate them. they're going to always see them i think yeah. No, some of them look at training as they have an adversarial relationship with training. Yeah, because, because, yeah, because it was like it was like yeah, it was like punishment athlete. to them. Yeah, it was like yeah. punishment to them at some time, some point, just because of how how far they had to go with their training. Almost like a relief that like when you're not a professional athlete anymore, like oh, finally, and I don't have to yeah. think about stuff anymore for a while. Exactly. You don't sit there like oh man, got to go and I got to spend three hours here, six hours here working on this recovery here, going here to get a massage, doing all this other stuff. And it's like your whole, your entire day is built around your, like someone, asked John Travolta, someone asked John Travolta when he was much older, like, Hey, do you miss, do you miss having your six pack and your abs and all that? He goes, man, you know how hard it was to maintain that all the time. He's like, well, Hugh, Hugh Jackman said the same thing about, you know, he's yeah. like, he was happy to, like, he was I don't think that at all, you know, because Hugh Jackman like, was happy. Yeah. Jackman was happy to not be Wolverine for a while there, but he's a man because it was so intense to, to, to train for that character all those yeah. years or whatever. He's yeah. like, man, I don't, that's why right after that, he did some, I think he was doing some movie where he was tap dancing. He was on Broadway or something. Yeah, yeah, and he was yeah. all, he's all skinny. He's like, he was happy. He was like, man, I don't have to worry about eating all this protein and having to be in the gym, lifting heavy weights all the time. So he's just like, I get to be normal. Well, see, that, that's, that's what happens when you take things to an extreme though. That's the problem there is that, you take it to this extreme where you look great for a movie role, but you can't hold it there indefinitely. You know, you're 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 peaking for a very short period of time. Well, unless unless you're smart like Christian Bale, he's like, you know what? I'll be fit as Batman for this movie. Then I'll be a fat fuck in my next movie, so I can just eat for the next six months. Yeah. And then he comes back but, and he's like, but then you know, he's all skinny. He said that even he said that he can't do that anymore. Those kind of no, he can't. So much yeah. harder. He goes, when I was in my 20s, he could do a movie like The Machinist where he got ridiculously, I want to talk about mental toughness. I mean, this guy basically starved himself for months to get to just to do that role. And then he had to gain all this role after that to do Batman. Batman, yeah. Yeah, so this guy's got some serious mental discipline. 50 50 Cent had to do the same thing. One movie where he had to be a cancer patient. And then right after that, he had to be like an Expendables type movie right after that. Right, right, right. He's like, geez. But Christian Bale said, I can't do that anymore because it's, it's like the last time I did that, I got overweight for a role. I think when he played Dick Cheney, he put on a bunch of body weight. Yeah. And then and then he did something else after that where he had to lose it. And he said it was really difficult. It was way more difficult than what he's used to. So, I mean, you can only fuck with your body so much. You know, and the body's like, hey, bro, it's like, okay, I let you get away with this once. 
I'm gonna your ass is gonna pay the price this time. <laughs> it's like, but every, everyone has a body weight that's ideal for them. Now you may not feel it's ideal because of the beauty standards that are out there. So you may be thinking, I want to look like that person. But a lot of times, the people you want to look like often those are people that don't have a difficult time looking like that. It comes or I'm not, you don't. I'm not don't saying they don't work like. hard and do things right, but it's 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 sustainable. Yeah. Like the way I look right now, it's easy for me to sustain this. Now, I, I can look like this indefinitely because I'm not doing anything that is that that I can't commit to for well, a you're long at your me- you're at your median, you know, weight right yeah. now. And also yeah. when people look at other people, you don't know the whole story. You don't know what you're looking at. It's like when you get on a scale, uh, look at that, look at that number. You don't know what you're looking at. You don't that's not telling you the story. So when you see these people uh, like that, you don't know that person rich. They have a nutritionist, they have a personal chef. You know, yeah, got, like they got a personal trainer. It's like you, you got a 24 hour fitness membership. Okay, you're not the same. <laughs> uh, but also what I mean is there is a body weight where it's gonna be ideal for you based on your lipids, your blood work your blood pressure, everything. That's what I'm looking at. So you may feel that, hey, I'm I'm carrying around more body fat than I would like, but it's less than you normally carry. But going further, increasing body fat even further may start having a negative impact on these parameters. Now your hormones are out of whack. Now, now, now your, your markers for inflammation are higher. So or, you might be, or you might be small. You're thinking that... You know, you, you might be small and thinking that's ideal, but your body's like, you need a little bit more here. Okay. Right. You, you're not, you're not eating enough, but in your mind, you think like, Oh, I'm at this certain number weight. I'm good. But, you know, but are you healthy? But, but you I, know, I think, I think everyone has a body weight, which is pretty sustainable for them. That's the key to find. Exactly. Out. I know what that is for me now is where I'm at right now. So it's not that I'm slacking off or anything. I'm working out hard, but I'm just. I'm it's not, a body weight that that's that fits what you're doing accordingly. Yeah, so it's not, it's whatever not, your not, what your activity is, that's that's what your body feels like. Okay. It's, it's but what you're doing, you need to be this way. Yeah, exactly. It's not a body where I'm going, okay, I need to make sure that I eat this much every single day without fail. Otherwise, I'm just gonna drop too much weight or I'm not gonna have the performance I want. It's more this is what I'm doing each day is enough to maintain this. And what I'm doing each day is sustainable. So you yep. know that. You you want to take it to another extreme and all that? That's fine too. But you just have to realize that most likely it's going to be temporary, and then you're going to be back to this state at one at some point. So it's good for everyone to know where that is. It'll be different for every single person. Not everybody's body is supposed to look the same way. Is where I'm going. And not not everyone's body is supposed to look. <laughs> your body is not necessarily supposed to look the same way on you for your entire life. You know, you're going to go through different phases. So let go of that. Let go of that whole. You know, in high school, I was this way. Dude, you are 50 years old. Why are you still thinking about high school? What are you, R. Kelly? Don't think about well, so high look, school. Look, I, I was 160 <laughs> pounds with no muscle. I was, I was dude, I was, I was in high school. Okay. So the last thing I want to do is return to my high school weight. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm 160, that's a problem. You know, that means well, I'm not. Oh, no, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at you. My wife's probably like, hey, is Michael that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 160 is not where I want to be. Whatever I had, nothing about where I was in high school is something I want to return to. So that's not that's not a barometer of what I look like. Look, man, if I get to the high school weight, I'm looking at my bank account too because I'm like, obviously, I said that was struggle weight back then. Okay, like 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 early days of college. I know what I was I know what I was doing in college at that time to be at that weight. I don't want to be there. I was living off bean burritos at Taco Bell at the time. Okay, <laughs> was well, like my friend Paul Paul Talbot said. He goes, this one guy was at the gym one time and he. He finished something. He's like, yep, 
And he's like, I'm 50 years old. And I still have the same, I'm still at the same weight I was when I was in high school. And Paul's like, well, that's pathetic. You're a grown man now. You should be, you should be way more developed than you were in high school. And that was such a funny thing for him to say at that moment. <laughs> this guy got so deflated after he heard that. But the reality is like, look, if you're happy with how, how you look, who cares? You just, exactly. The thing is, you know, why do you, why do you, why did you need to proclaim anything? Exactly. What was your you point? Know, like, I, I don't do a set of something at the gym and then turn to the person who's near me and be like, hey, man, you just see that set I did? You know, I'm 50 years old and I can still do this. They'll be like, yeah, that's great, buddy. <laughs> Have fun <laughs> with your out there. <laughs> good good for you. <laughs> I'm looking at you like, dude, I don't care. Why, why are you talking to me right now? <laughs> I'm trying to train. <laughs> so it's like the final word on these, these medications, I think Mongerno is the better option for sure of the two. That's the one I would go with if I were going to use something like this or recommend to other people. And I think the best thing to do is start low, scale it up, find the, the perfect dose for you, for whatever your goals are, and then make sure that- Dial it down. It's close to 100% of your nutrition being optimal. I think it's more important just because you're going to be eating so much less on something yeah. like this. So you want to allocate as much as possible to the healthiest food options. And that's good because it's actually teaching you how to eat healthy so that when you do go off of it, that's become- Like, look, if you've been on this medication for a year and you've been eating healthy for a year- that means you've been eating healthy for a year. Yeah. So eat, continue and coming eat, off of it, coming off of it won't be a shock to your system either. Right. You know, so. right. Especially if you do it gradually coming off of it. Yeah. Like if someone's been on TRT for two years and they want to get off, you don't just stop giving it to them. You do, you taper the dose down. You go, let's gradually reduce this, give you things to jumpstart your own production while we're doing that. So that yeah. over time, you're at a pretty good level with the least amount of side effects because you don't want to be on TRT and then you're, and then you get off and your zero, levels go to zero. And then over the course of a month or longer, it starts gradually coming back up. That's way too long to feel like that. And when yeah. you can do something about it, so that that's the way I would look at something like this too. Perfect. All right, folks, there you go. Answered a lot of questions. Your doctor probably never could or, or doesn't <laughs> want to. And you, and you got all this game for free. All you got to do is just listen to this podcast, listen to this show, and you get information like this. But uh, yeah, man, appreciate that. Like I said, I know I kind of threw that topic at you, but you know, I want to say, you know, oh, I want to give you time. Yeah. I want to, you know, get a little time because I know, I know how you are. I know you were going to do a little deep dive there and really check the stuff out. So that's why I didn't want to just off the cuff on the last show, just like, hey, man, what do you think about this? <laughs> you know, so. No, it's good, actually. It's good for me. It's good for me to be knowledgeable about stuff like this. And it's, it's, it gives me an idea of if I want to look into this further, I have something to build upon, something to start off of. But if someone asks me about this now, I can give them, I can actually at least give them a response on what I think based on what I've looked at. Yep. Perfect. All right, folks. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Hope you guys enjoy this information. And hey, I know we all know someone that's kind of going through it as we head into the holidays. People still trying to adjust their lifestyles. People are dealing with stuff financially, whatever. And again, like I said, one of those industries that doesn't hurt no matter how good or bad times are, you know, that's food, you know, it's the food industry. People still going to turn to that, you know, to help get through stuff, you know, whether right. it's good or bad. So, and like I said, going to the holidays and it's going to be even more pronounced probably for a lot of folks because they're struggling right now. And we're going to talk about that in an upcoming ep episode as well. Um, where right. I just talk about right. like, you know, just some better choices to do financially as we get ready to go into these challenging economic times it hasn't even really begun yet folks you have no idea so you know so be sure to my point is be sure to share this information with other folks as well that you know because it's not just you it's one of those situations like oh my god i'm glad it's not just me well now that you know that share this information all right so on that note 
We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. All right. Take care, everyone. That wraps up this week's Live Life Progressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Progressive Show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving patron-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.